right, we're going to continue our series that we've been doing in the book of James. We've got one more week left on the book of James, and then we'll have gone through the entire kind of verse by verse through the entire book. And, uh, and one of the things, like the passage that we're going to look at today has us thinking about waiting. I've entitled this message, Learning How to Wait. And, uh, and you think about our life, you think about how much of our life we spend waiting, right? When you were a kid, you couldn't wait to get older. Right? If you were in junior high school, you're like, oh, I can't wait to get to high school. High school is going to be so cool. And then when you were in high school, you're like, I can't wait to go to college. <coughs> or I can't get, wait to like, get a real job. Or then you were maybe waiting to get married or waiting to get a house or waiting to have kids. A number of you, I know, you're now waiting to retire. You're like counting the days, counting the, you know, like I'm so close to being able to do it. We spend a lot of our life waiting. And, and where we live, you know, we have some unique, we need patience. We need to wait. We deal with, you know, North Jersey traffic and, and we have to learn how to be patient. We have to learn how to wait. We go to doctor's offices. You ever wonder like, why is it I feel like a comedian. You ever wonder, you ever notice why, why it is that like you have an 11 o'clock appointment, but they won't see you till like one o'clock? Like, what's that about? We have some doctors here in the church and I'm not trying to call you out or anything, but, but if any other business operated like that, it wouldn't work. But we just, you know, we just kind of accept it for doctor's offices. But what I, what this passage is really speaking to and what I want to focus on today is how do we wait? How do we exhibit patience in our life? When there's something that God has said to us, or something that we're expecting from God, some difficult circumstance we're dealing with in our life, and there's a gap, we're having to wait. We all have things in our life where we kind of, we know, we know, we sing songs and we say God is good and He loves us and He knows the hairs on our head and He's our Heavenly Father, but we have circumstances in our life where we're waiting. And it doesn't seem like what we know about God necessarily lines up with what we're experiencing. We all deal with that. We all have moments like that in our life, times where we have to learn how to wait, learn how to be patient. Maybe, you know, we've got a number of people here in the church who are feeling called to ministry. And I I love that. I love that there's so many of you who think, like, maybe God has full-time ministry for me. Maybe God's calling me to plant the church or to pastor or to to head up a a compassion ministry and feed the poor or uh, go go overseas to the mission field. And and you feel like God has called you to that. Like, that's not just a whim or a desire. You feel it's a calling, but you've been having to wait. And you're kind of wondering, like, what, what, when is this going to happen? What's going on here? Maybe, you know, you're, you're in a, a job situation that just feels kind of dead end. And you're just waiting for God to open up another opportunity for you. Or, or maybe you're not employed. And, and you, you, you hear about all these unemployment numbers. And you're like, why is it so hard for me to find a job right now? This doesn't really make any sense. You know, what? maybe it has to do with something in your, in your marriage. There's just like a lot of pain in your marriage. And you're waiting for God to step in. You're waiting for Him to bring healing. There's all sorts of different ways that we need to wait on God that we need to develop this patience. And so this passage that we're going to look at today, it's James chapter 5, verses 7 to 12. And six times in this passage, James tells, he uses the word patience uh, or he uses the word endurance because he's really trying to help us figure out what we need to, how we can kind of get through these difficult times. And so let's go ahead and, and read James chapter 5, verses 7 to 12, and and what we're going to see, kind of give you an outline of my message, where I'm going with this, 
We're going to see that James uses three different illustrations to teach us when to be patient, why we need to learn patience, and then how to do it. All right, so James chapter 5, starting at verse 7. It says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of, you have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no, otherwise you'll be condemned. So let's jump right in. We have um, fill-in-the-blank notes that you can find on your app. I've got a lot of points. I think we're going to find that this passage really walks us through some good stuff. So I'd encourage you to open up your app. So the first question is, when should I be patient? When do we like face things in our life that kind of let us know, okay, here's an opportunity for you to learn patience. Here's an opportunity for your faith to grow. Here's a situation that you need to be aware of that God's going to be wanting to teach you patience in this circumstance. The first is when circumstances are uncontrollable. When circumstances are uncontrollable, now you don't need me to stand up here and convince you that there are times that we face things in life that seem out of our control especially after the last year and a half that we've had, we know that there are things that appear to be out of control in our lives. And so what James does first in verse 7, he talks about the farmer. Verse 7 says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring, spring rains. Now, I'm not talking to too many farmers here in North Jersey today. But, uh, but a farmer is someone who has to wait, right? Like every single aspect of the farmer's existence involves waiting. They have to wait for the right time to till the soil. Then they got to wait for the right time to plant the seed. Then they got to wait for the right time to prune it. They got to wait for the right time to harvest it. And while they're waiting, there's all sorts of things that could go wrong, right? There are all sorts of things that could happen that, could, that are out of their control, where, where they just need to kind of patiently wait and hope that that doesn't happen. There could be like a, an invading army that could come in and could wipe out their crop. Uh, there could be weather, you know, something that farmers have to deal with even today is, is it might be too hot for the crop or there might be an early frost. I was in, uh, I was in Napa Valley, California a couple weeks ago. And there was a winery that we were touring in, in the northern part of the valley. And you could see the mountains that were all around the this part of the valley, and the person who was giving us the tour said a couple of years ago these mountains were on fire, and the, the fire didn't hit the vineyard, but the smoke damaged the grapes, and so they lost a lot of their crops. And so, so James is using this as an example of times when things appear to be out of control in our lives. And you know what? When, whenever we feel out of control, that's always the time that we try to like kind of double down and control things that we can control. Right? You ever notice that? That when you feel like life is out of control, you might start trying to, to control the people around you. Or you might be trying to do something to kind of control the outcome, even though you know that it's an uncontrollable situation. 
One of the things that we all do when we face something that's uncontrollable is we worry. And if you think about anxiety and worry, like it is so pointless for us to lose sleep and get an ulcer worrying about something that's totally out of our control. That is not a helpful thing to do at all. Nothing good comes out of that. So when you're facing a situation that seems uncontrollable, we need to patiently wait. Another time that we need to wait is when people are unchangeable. When people are unchangeable, and for this point, James uses the example of the prophets. It says in James 5, verse 10, it says, Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. So like the job of the Hebrew prophets was to give the word of the Lord to the nation of Israel when they were going astray. So they were engaging in idolatry or they weren't following the Lord. And the prophet would come and say, hey, Israel, you got to get back on track. you got to follow the Lord. Most of the time, the people didn't really listen to the prophets, right? They were unchangeable. Actually, when God commissioned Ezekiel, when he called him, he said, hey, listen, I'm going to give you a message. The Israelites are a mess, and you're going to go to them, but they're not going to listen because they're a a stubborn and obstinate people. And so they they were to go anyway and deliver the word of the Lord, even though people weren't going to change. And we all deal with people who are important to us, who are unchangeable. Maybe you've got someone in your life, you know, maybe a child, maybe a spouse, maybe a really good friend, and and you're watching them just wander away from the Lord, right? You're watching them choose the, the, the broad path that Jesus talks about that leads to destruction, and you're like, God, when are you going to break into their life? When are you going to reveal yourself to them? When are you going to turn them around? You know, maybe you've got uh, someone in your life whose anger is out of control, and they're just, you know, lashing out at everybody, and it's a really hard situation to, to live in. And you say, well, you know, how do I deal with this? How do I deal with this person who is unchangeable? Or maybe you're watching someone in your life who's, who, who's getting overwhelmed by addictions. There's all sorts of ways that we get frustrated waiting for God to move in the life of someone who's close to us. Now, the word for patience is the Greek word makrothumos. And makro means long. And thumos means heat. It's where we get the word thermometer. And so what macrothumos literally means is that it takes you a long time to get hot. That's what macrothumos, that's what patience means. And so we know that if there's someone in our life that we want to influence, someone who's choosing a path that's not good, and we want to influence them towards Jesus, we want to influence them towards a better path, we need to have macrothumos. Right? We need to have patience, especially with our kids, right? Like it's so easy that we could have that short fuse and we could blow up and, and that's not going to help. And so what we need when we're dealing with someone who's unchangeable is we need, we need the patience that God wants to bring about in our life. The third reason that we need, that we need patience or time when we need patience is when problems are unexplainable. When problems are unexplainable, when you're dealing with something in your life that just really doesn't make sense, like I said, where who God is doesn't seem to line up with what you're experiencing in your life. And here, James gives us the classic example of Job. And so it says in verse 11, as you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. And so if you're not familiar with Job, when, when Job was alive, 
he was the wealthiest man probably on earth at the time. He was someone who loved God, and he was really blessed by God. God's blessings were just poured out on him. So the Bible tells us that, that one day, God is in his throne room in heaven, and Satan comes to God and kind of challenges him and says, you know what, people only serve you because you give them nice things. It's a quid pro quo relationship. If you remove the good things, then uh, they're not going to worship you. They're not going to serve you. And God had said, had you, do you consider, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan's like, yeah, you know what, you're blessing him. You remove your blessing from him, and he's going he's to want nothing to do with you. He's not going to worship you. And so what God says to Satan is, all right, you know, do your best. Knock yourself out. The only thing you can't do to Job is take his life. But everything else, you know, you can just kind of have your way. And, uh, and so, so Job's life is now going to be this, like, cosmic show and tell to show that people will love and worship God even if there isn't, like, immediate blessings in their life. And so over the course of two days, Job loses everything. Like the fury of Satan is just unleashed on Job, and he loses all of his wealth. His, his crops fail, his herds are killed and destroyed, and then all of his kids are eating together. They're gathered together, and the roof collapsed, and they all die. And then after that, Job gets this disease. He gets this horrible disease and, and it's like really painful and he's got these boils all over him. So everything is stripped away. The only thing that wasn't stripped away was his wife. And what his wife said to him was, well, Job, you know what? You need to just curse God and die. And so the only one left was the one who was not really very encouraging. But Job did not curse God and die. Job said, you know what? I'm going to continue to worship God. I'm going to continue to trust God. No matter how difficult my circumstances are, I'm going to continue to trust God. And the thing about Job is he never, as far as we know, he never understood why he was going through what he was going through. Like it was never explained to him. Even when God spoke to him, God didn't say, hey, Job, here's what's going on. Satan came and you've been this like object lesson. He didn't know any of that. And on top of that, he had these friends who came to him, and rather than comforting him, they just kept on pointing out all these ways of like, Job, this is really your fault. Job, you have sin in your life. You're prideful that you're not admitting it. But through it all, he kept his faith in God, and he continued to trust him. And so James, when we're in situations where we need patience, when we're in situations that are hard, when there are things that we're waiting for, he says, remember, remember Job. Because the reality is that, is that life often appears to us like it's not fair. Right, off many times, just a normal part, every single one of us, we go through this thing where, as I said, the gap between what we expect from a, from a powerful, loving, heavenly Father and what we're experiencing doesn't seem to line up. Jesus tried to prepare us for this. He said, in this world, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. There's going to be times where we need patience, where we need endurance, where we need to stand firm and just say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you, even though I don't have what I'm waiting for. Even though this doesn't seem fair to me, God, I'm going to continue to trust you. And so we need patience when, when uh, circumstances are uncontrollable, when people are unchangeable, when problems are unexplainable, which leads us to the next thing that James wants us to understand, which is, why should I be patient? Why should we have this patience? Why do we develop this endurance? And James, in verse 8, he says, you too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Now, in this whole thing where James is talking about patient endurance, three times he reminds us 
that Jesus is going to come back again. Three times in just these six verses, he says some variation of the Lord's coming is near. And so what that tells us is that if you're going through something in your life right now, if you're discouraged, if you're waiting, if you're like, I don't understand why it's so hard, you need to remind yourself that one day Jesus is going to come back. One day Jesus is going to return. And he's going to come back to planet Earth. Jesus talked about his return all the time. He talked about his second coming quite a bit. And that is our great hope. That's what we fix our eyes on. That we say, no matter what's going on in this life right now, I know that one day Jesus is going to come back. And I know that when Jesus comes back, he's going to make everything new. And I know that when Jesus comes back, all of my questions are going to be answered. There may be things that I don't understand, and it doesn't make any sense to me right now, but one day I'm going to see him face to face. And what the Bible says when we see him face to face is that he's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. And if we're going to get through this life, you know, the early Christians, they had this greeting, and it was Maranatha. And it was what Maranatha is translated as, come Lord Jesus. And so as they were going through persecution, as they were going through hardships, they constantly reminded themselves, we are one day closer to the return of Christ. We are one day closer to what the Bible says when all things are summed up in Christ. And so what that means is that God is in control of history. If you think about the word history, it's his story. That means he's got it all planned out. That means at times when it looks like everything in, the, in life and in the world is out of control, it is not out of control as far as God is concerned. Everything is on schedule. Nothing is too late. Everything is moving towards that day when God sums up everything in Jesus. And so what that means is that God has a purpose. God has a plan. And when you became a follower of Jesus, your little purpose, your little plan, your little life God unfolded into his big purpose and his big plan. And nothing is going to stop God's purpose and God's plan from happening. And so whatever it is you're going through, as we fix our eyes on Jesus and we remember that he's coming back and there's going to be a time. And, you know, I don't know all of the specific things that you guys are waiting for, but I know that there are painful things in our life. I know that there are burdens that we're carrying. And what James is reminding us here multiple times is fix your eyes on Jesus. Remind yourself that this too shall pass. And one day you're going to see Jesus face to face and he's going to wipe every tear from your eye. Philip's translation, the paraphrase of this passage, says resting your hearts on this ultimate certainty. Rest your heart on the ultimate certainty that this too shall pass and Jesus is going to come back and he's going to take his stand on the earth. The third reason, or rather the second reason, that we, that we need to have patience is because God rewards it. God rewards it. Verse 11, it says, as you know, we count as blessed those who are persevered. And so if you know the story of Job, after he endured... After he patiently waited and he endured, God blessed the second half of Job's life more than he blessed the first half. God doubled everything that he had. And so it pays to be patient. As I look back, you know what? I, I believe that some of you are waiting for, for things. And I think that you're going to, as Job said, you're going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. 
I think that maybe, you know, whether it's restoration of your marriage, whether it's that job opportunity, whatever it might be, I think that maybe you're really close. You're really close to seeing God breaking in and God giving you what it is that you've been waiting for. But what I know is that if you don't see it in this life, God is more than going to make up for it in the next life because God is always at work. And so I think about, when I think about the periods in my life that were really hard, when I was waiting for something, when I needed that endurance, when it was tough to hold on, I look back now and I'm able to see what God was up to. I'm able to see like, man, he really grew my character during that period. He really, he made me tougher. He strengthened my faith. He helped me, you know, a lot of times when we're going through those hard times, we need to lean on the people around us. And so relationships can be deepened. And God, you know, has taught me how to collaborate with people better. And how many of you would say, you know, in your life, there was a time when you thought there was something that you really needed? Maybe there was some guy that you were dating, and you thought this guy was like it. You know, he was the one. And then that guy one day broke your heart, and he broke up with you, and and you were devastated. You were broken. You were like, God, how could you abandon me? How could you do this? But you look back now, and you say, God, thank you for saving me from that jerk. Because if you hadn't stepped in, I wouldn't have this life that I have now. I wouldn't have this husband that I have now. I would have, you know, whatever it is. We have so many times where from our perspective, we think that, hey, you know what? God has abandoned us. God has closed the door. But we realize that God is at work and God is moving and and we can trust him. The other reason that we need to have this, this patient endurance is because God is working things out. Right? Verse 11 says, says, you've heard of Job's perseverance and, and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. So all the while, while Job was suffering, there was this whole other thing going on that Job didn't know anything about. There was this, this like spiritual warfare, this, this demonstration of God's goodness and God's kingdom that Job wasn't even aware of. And so maybe you feel that God has forgotten you. He hasn't forgotten you. Just because there's a delay, that doesn't mean there's a denial. There's a huge difference between no and not yet. We want it now. And we have this thing in us that just, you know, we we have a hard time waiting and we want immediate gratification. But God says, be patient because I'm working things out. And so we need to have that faith that says, you know what? It might feel like my hands are tied, but God's hands are never tied. It might feel like this situation is beyond my control, but no situation is ever beyond God's control. And God is moving and God is working. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. So I want to encourage you this morning. Wherever it is you're waiting, maybe it's a financial wait, maybe it's a relational wait, maybe it's an emotional wait, circumstantial wait, whatever it is, God has good purposes for you. And and in some way that we don't understand, what you're going through right now is part of God unfolding his good purposes in your life. And so we just need to hold on. And we need to believe and know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So we're going to be patient and we're going to trust him. And we're going to fix our eyes on him. And we're going to know that he's good. And our testimony is going to be that God is good and God is faithful and God's always at work. So finally, what do we do while we're waiting on God? So you're in the situation and you're waiting. And again, it's something big. Something that from your perspective right now, it feels like you really need. The first thing is that we wait expectantly. 
We wait expectantly. Go back to the illustration of the farmer, right? While the farmer is waiting, it's not a passive waiting that he's doing. He's not just kind of twiddling his thumbs. He's getting ready, right? So while he's waiting for the harvest to come in, he's making sure that he's got enough workers kind of lined up to to bring in the harvest. He's making sure that his his, uh, vats are cleared out, that his containers are cleared out to store the harvest. He's lining up, you know, for the the sellers, so so the people who, the buyers who are going to buy the harvest. He's getting ready. It says in Psalm 130, verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. That's interesting. My whole being waits. And so what can you do to get ready while you're waiting? Right? There's something that you need God to do that only he can do. But what can you do to kind of demonstrate your faith, to show your faith? Faith without works is dead. What's a little thing that God would have you do to show that your whole being is waiting, that you're getting ready for what God has for you? Right? Maybe, maybe it has to do with a healing. Right? Maybe you physically, you've got a lot of physical challenges. Well, what can you do while you're waiting for God to step in to heal you? You can eat better, right? You can try to get as much exercise as maybe as you can, as you can handle. What can you do to kind, of, to kind of work with God to see some health come to your life? That's, faith is this, expect, this expectation, right? This expectancy that God's going to move, getting ready for what God's going to do. Maybe you want a new job. And there's a particular field that you want to be in. What are you doing to get ready for that job? Are you reading some books on on that field? Maybe taking some classes? Maybe getting to know somebody who works in that field? And so you can maybe make some connections and and, and learn a little bit more about it? What about if if you're getting ready for ministry? If you're really feeling like God is calling you to ministry? There's, There's big ministry dreams that God has put on your heart. One of the most important things that you can do is really serve where you are right now. You know, and just uh, to go back to what I was saying about life groups, if, if, if you feel like God's calling you to pastor, calling you to lead, calling you to be involved in ministry, well, you got to kind of bloom where you're planted and be faithful where you're at. And maybe a, a step for you would be to lead a life group and, and, and try to help eight, nine, ten people grow in their relationship with Jesus. See, I look back at times where I was waiting and times that I was frustrated, and I think that maybe, you know, from my perspective, I thought I was waiting on God, but maybe God was waiting on me. Maybe God was, maybe his perspective was, Phil, I want to bring this blessing into your life. But if I bring it to you right now, you're not ready for it. It's something that's going to overwhelm you. You're not ready. Maybe, you know, you'll use it, you know, and it'll just kind of go to your head if I pour out my blessings right now. Maybe you'll use it in a way that, that hurts people rather than blesses people. Maybe God is saying to us, I want to bless your life. But right now, you can't handle the blessing. I want to pour it out on you, but I'm going to use this period of waiting right now to deepen your faith, to transform you, to make you more like Jesus so you can handle all the blessings that I have for you. And I, you know, and again, I I think that there's some people here. I think that some of you, you've been waiting and you've been holding on and you're so close right now. You're so close to seeing the breakthrough that it is you've been waiting for, you know, but we can be sure, even if it doesn't come the way that we expect or the way that we think it should come, God is faithful and God is going to cause all things to work, for, work together for good. And Isaiah 49, 23 says, no one who waits for my help will be disappointed. I want to tell you, if you are waiting on God for something and your eyes are fixed on him, 
you will not be disappointed. You will have a testimony that says, yes, God is faithful. The winds and the waves came, but my house stood because my house was built upon a rock. The next thing that we need to do, how we wait. And, it, and, I, and I love this because it just shows how practical James is. You know, that's the thing I, I've, I've really appreciated doing this deep dive into the book of James. Is just like he knows people, right? He knows how we are. And so the next thing we need to think about is that we need to wait quietly. Because the reality for all of us is when we're frustrated, when things aren't working out the way that we want them to work out, we have this tendency, right? We have this tendency to lash out at the people around us. Have you ever noticed that? That maybe, you know, you're frustrated, waiting on something, things aren't working out, and so you're taking it out on your spouse, or you're taking it out on your kids, or you're taking it out on your coworkers, or taking it out on your friends. James, in verse 9, he says, listen, when you're waiting, when you're persevering, when you're trying to develop patience, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. says, hey, listen, we got to be aware that, that we have this tendency to lash out, to blame the people around us, right? We, we blame the people that we love the most. And sometimes I've seen through the years that we can even have this tendency to blame the church. I've had people who, who were frustrated with things that were going on in their life, and they basically said, well, it's the North Jersey Vineyard Church's fault. I remember years ago, there was this person who was actively involved and, you know, was a leader here in our church. And they had a lot of things going on in their life, in their extended family that, that, was, that was hard, that was rough. And so they had this one relative who lived in another country who I had never met, and things weren't going good in that person's life. And so, so this person wanted to meet with me, and the reason they wanted to meet with me was to, to break up with the church. You know, that, that happens every now and then. It's a, a breakup conversation. And so what this person said to me was that I wouldn't have all these things going on in my life and in, in the life of people I care about if my spiritual covering wasn't stronger. And so I, I kind of pushed back on that a little bit. And I said, wait a minute, hold on. Are you saying that, that this thing that's going on with this person who lives in another country that I've never met is somehow the fault of the North Jersey Vineyard Church? I'm not so sure it really works that way. And, you know, I remember at the time I was kind of like, man, I can't believe people. I, this, is, this is crazy. But I, I, I understand a little bit more that this is human nature. This is something that we tend to do, right? When we're frustrated, we lash out at those around us. Lamentations 3.26 gives us this real practical advice. It says, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. That doesn't mean you don't have people that you process with. We need that. And, and God invites us, according to the Psalms, you know, you see David doing it all the time. We can, like, let out our frustrations with God. We can ask him questions. But just be aware that there's going to be this tendency that you have when you're frustrated to lash out at those around you, which leads me to the final thing. The final thing that we can do while we're waiting for God to move is we wait confidently. Wait confidently. And this is really, you know, the macro thing that I'm trying to, hoping that, that, uh, that you'll get this morning. Because I know, I know that there's hard situations that many of you are facing. I've known, you know, some of you for years, you've been waiting for some circumstances to change, and, it, and it's really frustrating and it's hard. But as we fix our eyes on Jesus, and as we remember who he is, and as we know that periods of disappointment, periods of feeling like this isn't what I signed up for. I don't understand. When is God going to move? 
It is, these are normal parts of the Christian life. It's not that there's something going wrong in your life. It's not like Job's friend said to Job, you've done something wrong to do this. No, it may, this is just how God works in our life and how he teaches us and how he strengthens us. And so I hope that with whatever it is you're facing, that you can face it with hope. I, I always I say all the time, and I think it's so powerful and so true, that hope is our superpower. Hope is what gets us through. In this world, we're going to have trouble. Everybody has trouble. Everybody has stuff that doesn't make sense in their life, that frustrates them, that feels out of control. But because of Jesus, we can have hope in all of our circumstances. No matter what we're going through, we can have hope. The Bible says we have a living hope. Our hope is alive. Our hope is powerful. Our hope can keep us going. And so let me give you an acronym that can help you remember the kind of hope that God calls us to. It's holding on. Uh, hold on, I remember. It, see, it helps me. Holding on, praying expectantly. Holding on, praying expectantly. And so I want you to think about that, that part of your life right now that's frustrating. That part of your life where you're, you're trying to hold on. And I want to encourage you that every single day you'll give it to God. That every day, because listen, the reality is, is it's a burden. It's something that's weighing you down. It's something that maybe could be weakening your faith. It's something that's making you lash out at other people. It's something, this disappointment is probably something that shows up in your life every single day. And so every single day, you need to take that burden. And you need to give it to the Lord. And the way that you're showing that your faith is in God and that you're trusting Him is through prayer. Is that we say, okay, God, you know what? I'm, I'm really frustrated with my marriage right now. And maybe, you know what, you know that your marriage is broken. You know that there needs to be growth in your marriage. There's not enough communication. There's not enough support. And maybe you're ready to do the work. You want to do the work, but maybe your spouse isn't. And so every day, pray, God, move in the heart of my spouse. Lord, show me if there's, if there's anything that you want to do in me. And I'm going to trust you to work in their heart. Give me the wisdom that I need to know how to love them even when they're being difficult. Maybe you've got kids or people in your life who are wandering away from the Lord, making bad choices every day. Every day, pray for them. Every day, lift them up to the Lord, asking God to bring people across their path, asking God to use you, that you would lift up Jesus in a way that would help draw them to Jesus, whatever it is you're dealing with. You know, maybe, maybe you're waiting for changes in your own life. Maybe there's addictions that you have that, are, that have just been really difficult for you to, work, to, to get past. Maybe there's depression that's over your life and you're trying to live life under that cloud of depression. There's anxiety, whatever it is, that you'd give it to God on a regular basis, that you would demonstrate your faith by saying, okay, God, I've got this burden. I've got this thing that I'm, that's weighing me down. I'm going to give it to you because, Jesus, you invited me to cast all my cares and anxieties, my burdens, onto you. And that you say, if I give you my burdens, you're going to give me your burden. You're going to carry my burden, and you're going to give me your burden, which is light. And so I am today, I'm going to take you up on that offer. And that we would be able to realize whatever it is we're dealing with, Whatever it is that we're waiting for, whatever it is that's challenging our faith and weighing us down, that we would be able to hold on with hope, hanging on, praying expectantly, 
knowing that God is good, knowing that God is at work, knowing that God is going to reward this period of your life, this patient endurance that you're, that you're exhibiting right now, that God is at work in your character, He's at work in your circumstances, and there may be things going on on a cosmic level that you don't even understand, and maybe, maybe you're really close. Maybe God's going to reveal, maybe you've been waiting for years and you're right on the cusp and God is getting ready to reveal his will and to, and to show you what, what Job said, that I'm going to experience the goodness of God in the land of the living. Maybe it's something that you're not going to know the answer to this side of heaven. But whatever it is, God can give you the patient endurance, the strength that you need to keep going, that make you more and more like Jesus. And, and, and so importantly, he can take that burden so rather than have it be something that just crushes you and something that negatively affects every part of your life, you can have joy and you can have hope and you can have expectation because your eyes are on Jesus. All right, let's stand. And I want you, just as we close right now, I want you to dial up to think about that part of your life right now that, that relates to what this passage in James is talking about where you need to exhibit some patient endurance? Where are you frustrated in your life? Where is it that you're waiting for God to move and work? And so, Lord God, we just come before you right now. And I ask your Holy Spirit to, to move in this room. God, you are a good God. You are faithful. And Lord, we have put our faith and our trust in you and we know that we will not be disappointed because you are the faithful one. And so Lord, we give you this weight. We give you this difficulty. We give you this expectation. We give you this frustration. And so Lord, I pray that you would move right now in this room, that you'd move, God, even people who are watching at home, and Lord, I pray that you would lift burdens. I pray that you would take away, Lord, take, take the burden, take the sting out of the weight and give us this patient endurance. Lord, our eyes are fixed on you. And God, we know that one day we're going to see you face to face. And you're going to explain everything that's unexplainable. And you're going to wipe every tear from our eyes. And until that day, we give you this burden. We give you this weight. We look to you. And Lord, I pray right now that just through your Holy Spirit, God, that you would fill us with hope. That you would fill us with what your word calls our living hope. That hope wouldn't just be something we think. Hope would be something that we experience through your Holy Spirit. So come, Holy Spirit. Come and fill us right now with your living hope. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to close with uh, an opportunity for you to receive some prayer ministry. And so we've got people from the prayer team who are over here ready to pray for you. And so I would just encourage you that, that even in the process of giving that expectation to the Lord, let somebody help you present it to Jesus. Let somebody pray with you. Whatever it is you're dealing with in your life right now, come on over here as we close the service and let somebody pray with you so that you can leave here with your eyes fixed on Jesus, lighter, filled with hope. All right, God bless you guys. Have a great week.